0: This is the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, episode 116. You ready
1: to go? You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your host, Michael
0: Block. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm really excited that you're here today to learn about apartment building investing, the best way to quit your job with real estate and even if you have no experience or your own cash. I'm really excited to have with me today Alan Schnur. I've known him now for a couple years, really spent some good quality time with him recently here. And he's done almost everything there is to do in commercial real estate at a very, very high level. He's uh, flipped houses, single family houses, had a portfolio of houses, got into apartments, uh, had 2,000 units apartments, then got into property management and managed 7,000 units. Now he's into retail, triple net, and development. So we're going to cover all aspects of commercial real estate today. And more importantly, talk about the millionaire, billionaire, and what he calls the zillionaire mindset of how not only to get started in this kind of business, but how to think big and scale this. So let's get right into it with Alan Schnur. Alan, welcome to the show today.
1: Hey, Michael. Good to see you.
0: Hey, it's good to see you again. I enjoyed hanging out with you on the Real Estate Guys cruise and jamming a little bit. And I'm really excited about having you on, finally, because you are you are what I want to be when I grow up, Alan. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. so you, have, you have so much... A real estate experience is not even funny. I mean, you've flipped hundreds of houses, you've held real estate portfolios, you got way big into apartment buildings, that own two thousand units, and then you said, ah, let's keep life interesting. Let's get into retail. Let's develop some retail. Hey, I know. Let's build a rocket to go to the moon. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so I, I just can't wait to get into it. But what I want to do though is I want to start back in the beginning and slowly unpack your story. Because I just love each phase you did and you kind of get into it, you legged into it and then you blew it out and you said, oh, you get another phase. So I just, I love that behind that, that mindset. So, so tell us a little bit about the story, which is amazing to begin with, how how you even got into real
1: estate. Let's just start with that. Oh boy. All right. So back in the day, we won't say when, (laughs) uh, I found myself, um, I finally had a job that I, that I loved back in the day. And you know, I was working on the 101st floor of the World Trade Center. So yeah, I found in life, we all have these moments, each and every one of us, where we're faced with, you know, maybe the end of our life. Um, so we have the, you know, some people call it the aha moment. Some people call it the the the, the meeting with Jesus, or some people just call it, you know, they wake up. So you know. I had this moment on September 10, 2001, 101st floor of the World Trade Center. I'm working for a company by the name of Canada Fitzgerald. I'm doing great. I'm making a lot of money. We were scheduled, 40 out of 44 of us were scheduled to take off on a business trip. And we found out that, that hey, the product wasn't ready on time. So long story short, only two of us were going to go. And then from two, there was only one of us that was going to go, and that was me. So I left around 12 o'clock from the 101st floor. You take this uh, elevator to the 72nd, and then you go down to the ground floor. You jump in a in a in a car, and I headed off to Newark Airport. And you know, 12 hours later, the world was very different. Uh, I woke up in Portland. I was there to see some customers, have a good time, go out for some dinners, talk about business. And unfortunately, you know, um, that was the day of the attacks, the World Trade Center attacks. Uh, the company I worked for lost 700 out of 1,000 people. Um, I lost 40 out of 44 teammates. And it was, you can imagine how hard that was for me. I was in this hotel room for a week by myself. And a lot, of, a lot of things going through my mind is kind of like survivor guilt. There's why wasn't I there? Who was in my seat? Um, lots, of, lots of painful moments. But I hit rock bottom. I really hit rock bottom and I started to rebuild myself and I started to kind of question myself, what am I doing with my life? Where am I going? What's the big picture? What are my goals? What are my aspirations? Am I going to have a family? Am I going to have kids? Where do I want to live? And I slowed down enough during that week to start answering all those questions and really kind of being conscious of all the emotions. So that was a, a reawakening for me. And From one of the hardest periods of my life, you know, came one of the best periods of my life. I moved from Hoboken, New Jersey. There was nothing left for me besides a condo I just moved into for three weeks. You know, I'm into this thing for a half a million dollars. It's not worth $250,000. The backyard was the World Trade Center, two blocks from a train. Um, What do I do? I have to move to Houston with the company and I have to learn how to rent a condo. And that was the beginning of my real estate career. So I took a lemon and I made lemonade, they say. And I was like, wow, you know, I can't really make money out of renting properties. Now, there's a lot more to that horrific, incredible story. But that was my first dive into being a landlord, right?
0: Yeah, what a story that is, Alan. Uh, I've heard a lot of them, but uh, this, one, this one, I think, tops yeah. it, uh, especially... You know, you being that hotel room for a week, that's a lot of thinking there. Uh, wow, yeah. that's, that's really amazing. Uh, and just by the way, uh, a lot of Alan's story is in this book, The Cashflow Mindset. So if you guys haven't done so already, <laughs> make sure you guys Excellent. get this. It's The Cashflow Mindset Millionaire, Billionaire, Zillionaire Designs for Financial Freedom and a Fulfilled Life. And this is one of how many books have you written, Alan?
1: I have three books. And the other book, which I think your, your listeners are really going to enjoy, you Now, there was one point in my career, which we'll get to, where I bought around 2,000 apartment units. And this was about buying 17.
0: Yeah, we're going to skip that part. It's not really that interesting. So, um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but I I do want to say, so I was in the commodity business and I, um, I was a commodities broker for electricity and natural gas. And there's a lot of fun stories in this book about how I took those experiences of buying and selling and being in all these transactions and carrying them over into the real estate business and how a lot of us are entrepreneurs. And I know a lot of us want to get involved in real estate. And I'm here to say, you don't have to actually start from ground zero or, or you know, you can carry your experiences over from one part of your life into the next part and kind of springboard off of those experiences. So yeah. it helps us get ahead and speed things up.
0: Yeah. And, and you've done that repeatedly. We'll, we'll get into that. But, you know, your entire experience of you know of cold calling and and being like that and, and negotiating and yeah. selling you definitely transitioned that i think your your uh, experience of scale the kind of the size of the of the trading floor that you were a part of you kind of carried that into your real estate business right. so you're absolutely right and then you you know you transition from one asset class to another now you like so many other people started with single family house investing what did you right. what did you do on a single family house
1: okay so when i came to houston from new york uh, i just, Kind of realize that you can buy houses for twenty or thirty thousand dollars a piece here in Houston, Texas. And for me, it's like you can't even buy a used car for that price in New York City. So, uh, and they cash flow, right? So these houses cash flow. I got involved in my first house, a place called Alvin, Texas. I joined the group. They helped me get my first house. I'm sure we all have those stories about joining, you know, getting a mentor, or reading the purple books, and all that stuff. I buy a house for twenty three thousand dollars. Me and my wife. We fix it up for $7,000, rent it for thirty. it appraises at seventy five. I do the whole re- refi thing, and I think I made like $100 a month, and, and, but that was it. And, you know, in my book, we talk about pyramiding, and pyramiding is not an original idea for me. It really, you know, I've seen it in commodity markets a lot, where somebody makes a dollar, and now they have $2. dollars they bet a dollar, they have $2. And they take that $2 and they turn it into $4 and $4 into $8 and 16 32 64 128 And they start pulling back some of their original investment. And then they're playing with the house money. So um, once I realized you know, I could buy a house and you know, get all my money out and make cash flow, I know we both read the same books. You know, how many can you do, right? As, much, as many as you can get your hands on. Well, you're, you're, taught
0: that you're taught the 10x, right? So if you can do one house, well, 10x, yeah, I can probably do 10.
1: <laughs> yes. Hey, that's in my book, right? So if you can do it one time, you can do it 10 times. If you can do it 10 times, you can do it 100 times. And, Michael, that's what I did. Yeah. For over 10 years straight, once a month, while I kept my job, I bought a house. Once a month. So I had like 120 houses before I decided to exit the business I was part of and go full-time real estate. But I mean, if you, you know, if you can buy houses for $20,000, $40,000, fix them up, refi them, um, build a rental portfolio. One thing about houses and rental portfolios I'm really a true believer in is scale. You really need scale. Five or 10 houses around here isn't going to cut it. So, and even for me, when I had 50 to 75 houses, I needed to get into apartment buildings, but let's not get ahead of ourselves yet.
0: Well, let's let's get into that. I mean, here's the thing: a lot okay. of people come to the same conclusion that you have come to, which is which is scale. Right, uh, and this is why most people get started with single family house investing not so much because it's necessarily a stepping stone as much as. That's kind of where the reality kind of ends. Uh, everybody talks about single family house investing. And then they get into it and they realize that you can't get the scale. And even if I were to get the scale, I would shoot myself trying to manage the entire thing. Okay. And so at one point, I mean, you achieved a fairly large scale. So maybe, uh, Alan, you're a slow learner, which is possible. <laughs> uh, what point did you kind of say, my gosh, I need to scale this with apartment buildings? What, what, why did you come to that conclusion?
1: Yeah. So, um, I call it the four R's rehab, rent, refi, and repeat. All right, that was, the, that was my formula for the houses. Right? So I usually had 120, um, by that 10 year period. And quite frankly, um, I got it up to 300 houses, <laughs> but around the 120, 150 mark, I said to myself, Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> I don't have the lifestyle that you would think one would have with, with so many properties. Right. So this leads me to one of the next chapters in my life where I felt like, okay, I do have enough assets and debt behind me. Um, Why don't I stop working that nine to five job and do this full time? So I took off to Japan. I go to Japan every year. I took off for a few months. And I remember the first week where I was kind of rewriting the next five-year chapter of my life, what I was going to do. I immediately got this email from one of my bankers, please help. Just took back 25 houses from a failed investor. Can you buy, we'll finance 20%. So, so I'm sitting there in uh, Gigi Baba, that's grandma, grandpa in Japanese. I'm in their, like, their little living room and I'm like, how am I going to explain to anybody that I need to go buy 25 houses and they got to get me to the American embassy? So I just go I just go to my wife I'm like um I got to go buy one house. Can you get me to the American embassy? Just one house. And they're all kind of rolling their eyes like can't you give it a break? And so if they only do I was getting 25 houses. So look, long story short, I do it. I get to the American embassy, which is another story. You can buy houses anywhere in the world. You just have to get to an embassy, will notarize your paperwork and just send it back, right? So I get those 25 houses and um that day I realized the million dollar equity gain on my balance sheet from those 25 houses. I paid like 30 and change. They're worth 75 and change in a bad market and really one to 150 in a good market. So I'm walking out of there and I'm saying to myself, well, I can't really tell my wife what I just did. She's going to spend a million dollars like I really just made it. And we know we're like dairy farmers, right? We're rich in land and poor in cash. So, uh, so, then, so I keep my mouth shut. And I met her for lunch. Um, but I do want to add, Michael. I increased my cash flow by five thousand dollars a month, which is really important for me at that time in my life. So, what I do is um, I meet her for lunch. I'm sitting down. and Do you drink sake? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's like this. CG. I'm having some, like some right sa- now. Look at that. Look at this. Look at the whole. Thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> let me let me catch my breath with you. <laughs> so, this place is called ski It's it's a it's a, a seaport in in Tokyo and um, we're having lunch there and kind of like the fish comes right off the dock so it's incredible sashimi and sushi and when she's pouring me some sake and I'm thinking to myself how am I ever going to do this again? What are the chances someone's going to call me up from a bank and say please come take these 25 houses off my hands so I'm just doing this, I'm looking to the left and that's me and I'm looking to the right and I'm in Tokyo and I'm seeing apartment buildings and I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm feeling the sake and I'm like I'll go buy apartment buildings. All right, so that, that was it. So I, I go home. Everyone knows what LoopNet is, right? So I get I go home uh, to our house in Tokyo, and I'm, I'm searching for apartment buildings, and I find something. And that was my first foray, really, into the apartment business. I, I went home a few weeks later, and I closed on something. But, you know, the apartment business can be very creative as well. Have you ever done, like, an owner finance deal for apartment buildings? Well, this guy was... A cosmetic dentist he thought he wanted to get out turned out he didn't want to get out right so um, he wanted to get rid of this apartment building and he just owner financed it for me long story short forty thousand dollars down 76 stores uh, like 1.7 million dollars sales price it's probably worth two north of two million dollars at the time so I'm feeling good and I perform at a five thousand dollar a month profit So I'm all in. So I buy that 76 unit deal and I'm saying to myself, wow, you know, I got like 150 houses in this area and in the middle is my apartment building and I used the leasing office to run my housing business. So that worked out great. Uh, But then I also realized that there was so much more money to be made in scale and scale of economies in apartment buildings. I mean, I think I made more money off of the 76 unit than I did off of like 100 houses.
0: That's uh, an amazing. Yeah. That's an amazing right. lesson. And then right, at, for sure. At that, you're, at that point, you're like, my gosh, you know, that's it. Right. That's- I mean, it
1: took, me, it took me 10 years or close to 10 years to get 100 houses. And it took me, you know, a few emails, a few phone calls. And all I had to do was find my courage and my confidence and my guts and my chutzpah and get in there. And, you know, not even a few hours, right, of due diligence. And I'm an apartment owner.
0: Yeah, that's great. And the, the key lesson for all the listeners here, if you want to get an apartment yeah. building, is to drink lots of sake. All right, you guys, write that down right now, okay? That's the, that's the secret.
1: Uh, don't be arigato, Michael.
0: Yeah, so, and what happened? Then you officially transitioned into apartment houses, and you just blew the, the top off. So what, what happened after that?
1: So I had this rule when I was buying houses. Um, I think I called it, like, I was a house a haul. Every 30 days, I had to buy a house, right? So then, um, I haven't said this in a while, every 90 days, I was an apartment attic. I had to get an apartment complex and I did for almost five years straight. Mind just about on average, 90 days, I'd buy it. So I, got, I really got the count out to 18 apartment complexes, as close to 2,000 units mm-hmm. and using the same formulas of, you know, fix it up, fill it up, you know, if you bought it for cash, refinance it or, or I got it to syndication, but we'll talk about it soon. And so as I was doing that, I mean, this is where things really got interesting. As I was doing that, uh, some of my friends saw what I was doing and they they were operators too. And they're like, well, Alan, you're doing a great job running it. How about run arts? So before I knew it, I had a company of 225 employees, a property management company, 40 apartment complexes, 7,000 units, 1,000 houses, under management, payroll of like a half a million dollars every two weeks. It it was an 18-month period. Uh, actually, it, it wasn't a lot of fun. So I, I did it for almost two years. I, I really recommend third party property management, but uh what can I say? I was managing seven thousand units, a thousand houses, all those people, and I actually spent more time managing than making money, so or on my apartment complexes.
0: Yeah, that's an important lesson. A lot of people like the idea yeah. of self managing and I, I advise against it as well, just because where's your time better spent? Finding deals and raising money or managing them. Right. And, you know, the answer is, is obviously now You did it because you saw an opportunity and, you know, maybe in right. hindsight, maybe I should have said no. I don't know. Who knows? Who right. cares? Right? Um, right. Now, at one point, though, I mean, you were, you were building scale. And, and I tell people, even people that have some money and they can do a few houses or even have some apartment building, at one point you're going to run out of money. At one point, did you get into syndication? What did that transition look like?
1: I definitely got into syndication by the second or third apartment complex. It was clear that I was going to run out of the money. Um, and it, it was risky. I wanted to. Sh- I wanted to share the risk, but I was also excited to. People saw what I did with the houses. You know, not everyone could just go out there and buy an apartment building. So we know the beauties of syndication. It really affords and it lets people participate in investments that they could never get involved with in the first place. Um, so by the second or third or fourth apartment complex, I started to syndicate. And um, I, I told you, I watched uh, some more of your videos, uh, past uh, speakers, and there's some great stuff you guys have spoken about over the last few months on syndication. Uh, everyone has their syndication model, and I'm sure you're going to ask me what mine is in a second, but I, I believe in syndication. Look, even, the, I mean, Donald Trump or, or Sam Zell, no one has enough money. Everyone's going to run out of money if you don't partner up in real estate, right? Yeah. yeah. So on that so, note, what was
0: your syndication model, Alan? <laughs>
1: so, my syndication evolved in the beginning, my syndication model was let me think back, okay, the general partner would keep thirty percent of the deal okay. right so seventy seventy percent would be for sale, and you know this was during a financial crisis or, or a, a downturn, so <laughs> some of the deals are really sweetheart deals, so i i I, mean, I would get more aggressive as a promoter syndicator so I started off at 30% I probably worked my way up to 40% and some deals I even you know general partner kept 50% maybe we'd throw in some fresh, we guarantee some money maybe we wouldn't but I used to have this I they used to call me the cash flow king <laughs> the cash flow king's kind of retired but I used to really make it a point let me be a little different and everyone sends out quarterly payments I was sending out monthly payments so people can really see And feel and participate in those cash flow distributions yeah so then um, yeah so I I think I I kind towards the end of my my apartment for Ray I probably came in around 30% general partner would keep 70% to the limited partners Um, you know it's like you know we can talk about cap rates as they expand during bad times a higher rate of return for everybody You know, not everyone has to get more than a 10 percent cash on cash return. So maybe that leaves a little more meat on the bone for the syndicator. But as we're compressing and compressing and compressing, you know, the syndicator has to give back in order for people to make their 8, 10 percent cash on cash return um, and then a healthy profit when we kind of sell the asset on the way out.
0: Yeah, that's right. So you've done a bunch of these deals, and and, and I'm no. gonna ask you, what was kind of your best deal? And then, of course, what was your absolute okay. worst
1: deal? <laughs> okay. The best deal, we call it the Bangkok close. Uh-huh. So totally a world traveler, and um, right before I took out to Asia, I think it was probably three years ago. Uh, one of my brokers, we had lunch. You know, I always say yes to your brokers when they call you, people. So he's like, look, Alan, I know you're not actively trying to sell this one. Uh, Let me work it. I have this 1031 buyer Before I know it. It's like he really he hooked this fish and I I couldn't believe the numbers on the deal And I'll explain them really quickly Um, I bought I bought like a hundred and Hang on hang on like a 160 unit deal on one side of the street. Okay, I paid $16,000 a unit and like a year and a half later. Yeah, that was back in the day uh, they're worth 35 so then, I convinced Goldman Sachs to do a cross collateralization deal, so I could take out the one across the street, uh, no money out of my pocket. So we just, so we, we took out the the first lender, and then Goldman Sachs said, okay, now you'll own 160 units on this side and 140 units on the other side, and we'll wrap them up and we'll call it a 300 unit deal. All right. So what's really interesting about this deal, and it's in my book, it's you know we're in this partnership for like. 800,000 we bought the first side right we did it was like a 30% capital raise so it's like 800 or a million dollars of the partners that we raised so i was able to do all this take us from 160 to 300 and no money out of our pocket i got a better interest rate i got a longer amortization schedule didn't even affect the cash flows but not even like a year later after owning these 300 units together i was able to sell this deal for 47,000 a door, which here's what I could just tell you, cold numbers. Cold numbers are, we're in it with debt for $7 million, and we sold it for north of $14 million. Sick. So it's called it really was It <laughs> We call it the Bangkok close because they had a close. They were, they were concerned, they, they knew I was away. The council flew out to Bangkok in Thailand, met me at the American Embassy, get the notarized docs and um, let's just say what happens in Bangkok stays in Bangkok. I had a fun night and um, my partnership made $7 million and you can do the math because I just talked about what a syndicator should keep and uh, it was just a fantastic, fantastic deal. Sorry to, you know, if that was too long but it was awesome.
0: That is an awesome deal. I love yeah. that you have a name for it and a great story. Yeah. So that's awesome. All right. All right. Awesome. All right. Now, what about yeah. your, your worst deal?
1: My worst apartment deal. My worst apartment deal. Um, gee, there's so well there's there so many one, of them. Uh, <laughs> well, I've never lost money, but some definitely made a lot more money than others. Right. My worst one was I I I bought something for five thousand dollars a unit, 160 doors. All right. Five thousand dollars a unit across the street from this big old school. And I buy it. And I'm holding it, and I'm doing this massive rehab. It was all boarded up. It was a U.S. Bank foreclosure, and I had to. It's like 15 acres, and, and not the best part of town. You can imagine for $5,000 a unit. I'm doing this deal, and the school closes down. I mean, when does a school close down? It wasn't even like a a charter school or anything. Closes down, and the city knocks it down. <laughs> so now I'm really stranded. And it's a really tough deal to run. It's taken me. I put out twelve condensers on a Monday. By Wednesday, I'm missing twelve condensers. Oh God! You know this? Yeah. So it was just a tough deal, and uh, you know, constantly, it's like you can't have one security guard. They have to. You have to pay for two at a time. And there was this time where there was this helicopter chase. I'm sitting here like having a nice day with my family. And I look up at the screen, and there's this helicopter chase. Everyone's all excited. And then what happens? The car that they're chasing pulls into my parking lot. Guy gets out of his car. He's not even living there. And he runs up. His girlfriend's living there, barricades himself in the door. So my property's on the news for half a day while they get this guy out. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so, all right, so that was a big problem. And then a week later, we had this sewer backup. And I'm, I'm just like, I've had it with this one. This one's just painful. And I'm sitting there, and I get this phone call, and it's, it's, it's one of my managers. They're like, Juan, there's this backup, and you know Juan just pulled out tens of hundreds of $100 bills. <laughs> there was a bank robbery, and they hid the money in the, <laughs> in this, in the main sewer line. So Homeland Security shows up. When, when, when they show up wearing black and black cars. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. Okay. So, but, but as, as when it's really bad, it leads to good things, right? Right before. I mean, you know, it's like the universe pushing you and pushing you to see if you can take it. I'm, I'm driving away that day and I'm saying to myself, get me out of this part of town. I want to feel like a human. I want to go to Starbucks, you know, Starbucks. I gotta go get a $5 coffee and feel like a human and be treated. So, you know, I get, feel clean. I walk into Starbucks and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, oh, how can I explain this? Is this story real? I mean, I'm this kid from New York city. Yeah. I'm dealing with, with death. I'm dealing with bodies in dumpsters, bank robberies. I got to get rid of this property. So, but I had an aha moment. The aha moment was, well, why can't I own a Starbucks? What am I doing? Yeah, you know, so I immediately started, uh, I started studying triple net leases, which I'm sure we're about to get into, and higher quality assets. That was, that was the lowest grade quality I ever bought. I never went back that way on a D quality asset again. I sold the building, we made a 5% return, it was close. And for, for all our listeners out there, someone else did turn it around two years later, he took me out for coffee and he told me how he made a few million off the deal. So you're not always <laughs> at the right time. And I can tell you about a $7 million story, but you know, I don't always catch them all.
0: And, and so, yes. and so, and so it goes. And so I, yes. I, I, I love your idea in, in your book, you talk about kind of reinventing yourself every, f- every five years sure. and, and the way that. that you've kind of done it is you, you, really get deep in, I mean, five years gives you a good amount of time to really get into something and, and uh, become very successful in that. And then at that point, you kind of start looking around going, what else can I do? How can I challenge myself? So it has this kind of rule that every five years you want to get into a, a different business. Yeah. And I don't know if you architected it that way from the beginning, but certainly as you move into retail, that was one of those things. So talk about now your decision to move into retail.
1: So there's kind of like three phases, I think, in those five-year periods. You can break it down into you burn, you learn, and then you earn. All right? And, you know, so and – then, and then maybe you burn out. And I, I don't believe in complacency. And, and every time in my life when I got too comfortable, you know, somebody pulled a rug out from under my feet. You know, I had a saying in the book, I always kind of looking over my shoulder like, there's another plane coming to hit the building. So, um, when I'm at that Starbucks, I'm saying to myself, okay, well, you know, how do I get involved? And um, I, I really started studying about triple net leases. And boy, let me tell you, Michael, it's, an, it's another world. I mean, it's like an apartment building can have like 40, 50, 60 pages of profit and loss statement, all right? And what's half of that? You were actually just talking about it in one of your videos. And the guys had bigger pocket, which were kind of like a 30, 60 second rule on, on how to analyze an apartment building. Let me tell you how. 50 to 60% of that expenses of every dollar coming in, of every dollar. Actually, I, I, I thought about you know, every dollar that comes in on an apartment building.
0: Ah, yeah. You just, you just you rip that dollar right in half. You can, now you can't use it anymore.
1: That's, <laughs> that's how I feel about apartment buildings, right? Yeah. You're in this building, you're, you're in this business where, you know, 50% is expenses. And sure, some of them are going to be, you know, real set expenses, but the other ones are variable. And it's hard. It's hard to be a syndicator to, you know, you have all these variable costs. So I like more predictability. Now, let's be really clear. I love all real estate. I still own apartment buildings. I just bought one two weeks ago, believe it or not. Huh. So, but um, I, like, I like my whole dollars, okay? <laughs> and, you know, when something breaks, a triple net, let's just talk about what a triple net lease really is in the triple net business. When something breaks, then we can talk about Starbucks because I bought a Starbucks building. I, I mean, I don't own the Starbucks, but I own the building that Starbucks rents from me. And if, it, if something breaks, they have to pay for it. If the window breaks, they have to pay for it. If somebody puts $100 bills in their sewer line, they have to pay for it. So, um, and more importantly, if insurance goes up, they have to pay for it. And if taxes go up, they have to pay for it. So it's more of a real-time business that I like. Um, I, I like those costs. And, you know, sometimes towards the end of the year, uh, maybe, maybe something went up. Maybe insurance went up. Um, I just have to readjust the budget, send them a letter, and then they'll, you know, change their payment to me. and Hopefully, send me more, or maybe even send me less if some of those bills went down. So triple net leases. What can I say? I bought like I have like twelve to fifteen shopping centers, and I also started buying. I have around a half a dozen warehouses, which you and I really haven't spoken much about. But I love it. I love it, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. But I just bought it last week, forty-three thousand square feet. In Prescott, Arizona. Prescott, Arizona, and I used to be the biggest control freak. I had to live and be able to drive to my properties. All my houses, 300 houses, I can drive to every single one of them. My apartment buildings, I could drive to every single one of them. But someone tells me about triple net leases. My first purchase was in Wyoming. I'd never even been to Wyoming, right? so And you can when you can control your variable costs, your expenses, right? So we're talking about, sorry, Prescott, Arizona, just bought it last week, 43,000 square feet. It's vacant. Owner financed, one, it's like $1.5 million, $300,000 down. And the idea is, look, commercial real estate trades on net operating income, like apartment buildings, you know, if it, you know, whatever that number is, we're going to agree on a cap rate, and I'm going to pay you that price. Well, When the warehouse or even the shopping center has vacancy, um, you're going to get a massive discount when you're purchasing. So I got a massive discount on this warehouse. And not only did I get a massive discount on this warehouse, I just got a letter of intent from from a Fortune 500 air conditioning company that wants to take all 43,000 square feet. I'm really confident this is going to happen. And when that happens, it's a double. It's a, I, I can cap rate this out for you and tell you that we'll sell like an eight cap. And what we just paid one five, we're going to sell north of $3 million. That's one of my strategies that I talk about in my book. But I'm sorry to get ahead. Let's just take it right back down to the shopping centers. Because there's this great strategy I want to share with everybody, which is another deal. I talk about it in the book. And it's a deal um, me and Danny, uh, Danny Newberry, my partner on this deal. We did it in Boise, Idaho, all right? And to really make it simple, let's just say you have like a typical shopping center in front of a Walmart, and there's six storefronts, all at 10,000 square feet, 12,000 square foot shopping center. You buy that shopping center with just three tenants, all right? You're getting a 50% discount. You really are. I mean, clearly, it's just the NOI. It's gonna trade on the net operating income, or it's not. So we spent a year, or I should say, our leasing agent spent a year filling the other three shops. She got an AT and T, she got a hearing aid company, and she got a Taco Del Mar. All right, so now we're full, and we bought this thing for a million dollars, and we just closed it a few weeks ago for two point four billion dollars. We bought it for a million dollars, thirty percent down. I mean, it was like a three hundred percent cash on cash deal. So that's how easy. Uh, well, I, strike. Nothing's easy in life. But look, if it's got six slots, it comes with three stores. Go find three tenants. You double your money. That's why I like shopping centers. And you can do it anywhere in the United States.
0: Yeah. And what is your outlook now on on asset classes? Because now you're in multiple asset classes. And I think one of the things that you that you talk about in, in your book, which I really like, is you know not only uh, reinvent yourself every five years, but be flexible. With geography and even the asset class. And, you know, sometimes right now people say, Oh, I'm really struggling finding multifamily buildings uh, because they're looking in Cleveland, Ohio, for example. Well, what if you what if you looked in two other markets? Would that you know? Would that allow you? Oh no, no! I'm I I need to be in Cleveland. That's right. right? So and and then and sometimes and, and I'm not advocating this necessarily, uh, but I'm not I'm not opposed to. Hey, you know what? If you're struggling with a particular asset class, and there's something else, an opportunity that does the same thing in the commercial real estate realm, and you have an opportunity to, to pursue that, then why not consider it? So what is, what is your feeling about, you know, flexibility with asset class, geography, you know, that kind of stuff without, right. of course, at the same time, avoiding shiny objectitis?
1: Okay, so millionaire mindset, I talk about, the more things we try in life, the greater chances of success. It's just bottom line, right? The more things we try, if you only try one thing, and it doesn't work out, if you only have one job, if you only have uh, one apartment building, I mean, you're you're putting all your eggs in one basket. I believe in diversification and I believe in multiple sources of income. So I get worried. I mean, I I, I agree with these people that own multifamily. I like to live near my stuff. They break. And, you know, we've already talked about we're not sure what's going to break next. I mean, there's the old joke. How do you change the plumbing in, in an apartment building? Because it's galvanized. And the joke, the answer to this joke is, one foot at a time with (laughs) TVC. So, you know, you want to be close when something like that happens. So but when it comes to geography, I mean, look, everyone is everyone's arm wrestling each other right now for apartment buildings. And I'm not saying there there's always going to be a good deal, but you have you have all these house rehabbers. Okay. We caught this wave together. We're all in it together. And we've done a great job with it. But the supply is Drying up. So then you have two kind of mentalities. I'm afraid to try something different. I'm gonna work harder and not smarter. Or the other mentality is okay, let's try this apartment building thing and start off with a duplex. You go to a quad and then we'll go to a 16, a 32. And, and that's what I did. I got it to 160, and I kept going and going and going and going. You know, and, and it's dry the, the supply is drying up. I mean, we're knocking them down, um, there's there's less land. Um, you know, there's there's a plethora of Class A that came online. So so, what's going to happen? I predict everyone's going to say, "Oh, hey, I just listened to Alan on Michael's show. Why don't we start looking at warehousing and why don't we start looking at retail?" Because listen, I love being a contrarian. I, I caught the housing crisis right. You know, to buy hundreds of houses. Um, I bought. I, I caught the the multifamily house crisis right. And, uh, I mean, I've sold 17 of 18 apartment complexes. And then I rolled the money into retail. And the reason why I just went through different asset classes is because, look, it's no secret right now that retail is, is, is not the most popular asset class right now. So, matter of fact, it's, really, it's possible. Like, I'm doing a deal. It's closing in three weeks. It's 100,000 square feet. It's in College Station. It's got 20% vacancy. And it's an 8.3 cap. 30,000 square feet are TJ Maxx. Then we have another like 10,000 square foot, which is called Plato's Closet. I have Tuesday Morning, which is another national name. They have 15,000 square feet. I have a Burks, which is 25,000 square feet. So I have these national names. Al's Formalware, um, 8 cap. So I would like to see my... What should I say? My brothers and sisters who are really caught up in multifamily and not sure what to do next. And maybe they're burning out. Um, I would like them to ask themselves a question. Would you rather own Starbucks? They, they send me $8,000 a month. One of my tenants. Would you rather own a roster of, of Starbucks, AT&T, T-Mobile, Taco Del Mar, uh, TJ Maxx? Uh, I, I just keep going on and on and on and on of um, national names. You know, would you rather own them or would you rather own, you know, arm wrestling people for these apartment complexes? And quite frankly, I mean, your tenant, you know, your tenant's paying you probably 500 to to $1,000 a month to the people that I think we're talking to right now. The credit worthiness isn't exactly there. I mean, I just wanted to move on from the guy who mows the lawn or delivers the mail uh, and nothing's wrong with that. I just I needed a new challenge and it's fun. I mean, it's fun talking to GameStop. It's fun talking to I don't know Comcast Cable. These are these are my tenants. So I don't know if I just went off on a tangent, but I'm I'm pretty. No, not
0: so much. No, no, not so, not so yeah. much. You know, we all have our have our own journey, yeah. obviously, and and you have. I mean, clearly evolved. I mean, you've been doing this for for a long, long time. Now, I don't want to confuse the listener because there are multiple ways to skin the same cat. There's mobile home parks, there's self-storage, multifamily, retail, warehousing. I mean, it can be a little confusing. But aside from the asset class, what is your recommendation to someone who's really trying to get out of the rat race? You know, think back to whatever 15, 20 years ago when you were in that situation – you know, what is your advice on, on how how they should get started? What they should do next, uh, you know, the next maybe 30 to 90 days? What's your advice to someone who wants to kind of get into this?
1: Okay, so you got to take action. I, I know we all talk about it. It might be trite or cliche. You really just have to take action. I love to read. I know you love to read. But sooner or later, you got to put the book down um, and get, get out to the property. You know, how do you get involved? You know, we both know there's a plethora of of real estate clubs all over the United States right now. They don't even charge you to come in. And then maybe you find a small niche group and you want to pay someone and learn about it. I, and I once paid somebody $8,000 to teach me how to buy single family houses, or I paid somebody $20,000 to learn how to buy apartment buildings. And um, I, I actually have a, a mentor in the shopping center business, and I continue to pay $25,000 a year to be part of that organization. So, and I know folks that sounds like big numbers, Um, don't pay that just yet, but there's many ways of getting involved and taking that education and getting out there. Call brokers, I mean, they wanna take you out, you take them out, go to the networking clubs, go to the, um, what else can I say? There's so many different kind of, we have ICSC, the shopping center business. You have what, the NAA, National Apartment Association, in the apartment complex. Comp- and then you have all the RIA groups in the housing business. So don't let that stop you. And if you really wanna get involved, you gotta step outside of your comfort zone. You know, it's like that, it's that pain pleasure thing that we always read about. People prefer to live in, in the pain um, because it's too, they don't wanna make a change. They don't want to, they're actually afraid to experience the pleasure by getting out of the pain.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, two things. After you get, get educated, but really, really get out there. Uh, and, and I found in talking to, to people is my own experience. When you go out and you network and you go to these events, all of a sudden you meet someone that changes your entire reality. Right. So, really getting out and talking to people, looking at properties, like you said, taking action is yeah. probably the, I think the, the missing link. There's a lot of people who just read book after book, and go to seminar after seminar and don't actually go out for various different reasons. And you just got to push yourself. Uh, beyond that,
1: and, and you know what be, be flexible with your asset class. I mean, yeah, we're here talking about multi, you know, if it's houses apartment buildings shopping centers warehouses, you know a, a wise man once told me there's there's easy ways of making money in real estate and hard ways of making money in real estate And and I, I think in life when you get to a certain age You got to stop trying to figure out how you're gonna get better at something that you suck at and really concentrate on what you're good at. So find out what asset class you're good at and go after it.
0: Yeah, that's very good. Yeah. So Alan, just raising up, yeah. like, what, what are you really excited about right now?
1: What am I really excited about? Well, I'm really excited about I'm really excited about syndication. 90 days ago, we bought a 100,000 square foot shopping center and I syndicated it. It was a $13 million deal, uh, raised like 4.3 million cash. And of course the bank brought the other debt and uh, in three weeks, I'm getting ready to buy another 100,000 square, so it's like that's 200,000 square feet of retail, great tenants. Um, The first deal had $925,000 of NOI. The second deal comes with 700,000 of NOI, and I have all this upside. I get to go get get these tenants and increase the NOI, and so I'm really excited about retail. Uh, I hope everyone can kind of see that as I'm talking with everybody here. Um, I'm excited about education. I'm excited to be here on your show. Oh So by the way, and I know you're gonna ask the question. How can people reach out? I'm at A L A N S C H N U R dot l-a-n S-c-h-n-f-u-r.com one of the reasons why I'm jumping to it is I used to have all the books and tapes and I used to sell on the stage and I don't really do that anymore. I give it away for free so there's probably like a hundred hours of videos of apartment stuff and house stuff on my website um, go ahead, check it out. And I also always put up all the deals that I do, and um, I'm always looking for syndication partners, and another way how people can get involved is join a syndication. I mean, I joined before I bought an apartment building, I joined someone's apartment syndication, and uh, you know I kind of observed and I watched and I learned. And, and, and that's you know, modeling, right? It's all about modeling. You want to be around the right people and you want to learn and pick up the habits. You know, there's so much money to be made. You know, it's not even a competition.
0: Well, you're so successful, Alan, but yet you share it so freely. No, uh, and no. and def- you guys definitely check out his website, check out his book, because he's a great teacher. He's done so much. So thank you so much for coming here on the show and, and sharing fine. your story and your experience. Yeah.
1: Well, Michael, it's a pleasure and have a good day. And I look forward to uh, seeing you at, uh, I guess, uh, we'll probably be at a Robert Kiyosaki event or something, right? Never know. That's right. Excellent. Have a good day. Bye, everybody. Well, there you have it.
0: Alan Schnurr, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what an unbelievable guy. Has achieved so much. Really nice guy. Loves to share his knowledge and expertise. So, definitely check out his website and consume all this, this free stuff he's got on there. Really great guy. And some of the key lessons for me was, you know, remain flexible, uh, especially around uh, geography. You know, don't get set on any one geography. Be open to looking in other geographies. Make sure you take action. And, and a lot of people talk about massive action, but really I talk more about taking tiny action, making small steps every single day. So making sure you're doing stuff. And one of the things, obviously, is to educate yourself, as Alan said, but also to get out, meet other people, uh, form a community around yourself, form a group of mentors. And, and on that note, you know, I, I was looking at, you know, what, what are kind of the critical success factors that you need in place? And there's really three things, it comes down to three things, the more I think about it, you need a steady flow of deals, and you need access to funds, and you need a solid team in place, right, to overcome your lack of experience. Now, uh, there's many, many ways you can achieve that stuff. But if you've been doing this for a little while and you're really frustrated uh, that you haven't done your first apartment building dealing yet, it, then it's probably because you're missing one of these three elements. Now, if that's the case, we can help. Uh, you can go to michaelblank.com forward slash coaching and you can schedule a strategy, a free strategy session right now with us, with one of our coaches. And we'll walk you through the exact process we use and make sure you have all three of these elements in place so you can get your first deal done. I truly believe that uh, if you work hard enough at all three of those you can make it there it's just going to take a longer and you're going to make probably a whole bunch of mistakes so if you want to fast track this because we've figured this thing out and and avoid some of the bigger mistakes then uh, check out uh, michaelblank.com forward slash coaching and schedule a call with us if you haven't done so already also make sure you download my free ebook it's called the secret to raising money to buy your first apartment building that's at the michaelblank.com forward slash ebook. All right, guys, if you love the show, let me hear from you on iTunes. Just give me a review on there. Love to see that. Thanks again for listening today. I will catch you on the next episode.
1: Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Blanc. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.